Takeaways on Darren Waller, Saquon's epiphany, and day two, New York Giants practice highlights. All of that coming your way next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena, and it is our Friday show, but uh, I'm dropping it early on, uh, I'm dropping it actually on a Thursday because, you know, it is training camp. So I'm trying to keep up with the reports and try to get you the information without having to make you wait too long for stuff. So I want to welcome y'all in to the Lockdown Giants podcast. I want to send a special shout out to my everydayers and my newcomers and everybody in between. Thank you so much for making us your first listener of the day or watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And on today's program, we're going to talk a little bit about Waller of Steel, Darren Waller. My goodness, so much to talk about with that young man and what he has brought to this offense. We're going to talk a little bit about him then we're going to talk about Saquon's epiphany. Saquon Barkley broke his silence for the first time after speak, after signing that modified franchise tag deal. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I have some thoughts on that, some additional insight and whatnot that I can give you. And then we will wrap things up with a look at some of the practice highlights from day number two of New York Giants training camp. So all that on today's Lock on Giants podcast. Again, thank you for tuning in. Let's get going. All right, Darren Waller. Now, you know, it's interesting. When I was mapping out what I wanted to cover in training camp, I figured, okay, you know what? We did so much coverage of Darren Waller during the spring, what he brought to the table, what his teammates thought of him, what his coaches thought of him. But you really start to appreciate what he brings to the table if you have gone to the training camp practices and have watched it. I mean, this is a guy who I really don't know how you cover him. I mean, do you, I suppose you can bracket cover him, which would open stuff up for the guys, you know, for other guys on the field. But seriously, you know, I've talked to a few defenders and I said, how the heck do you cover this guy? And they just look at me and they're like, you know, they just throw their hands up and they're like, they, you don't, you know, because he's that much of a talent. And what's kind of cool about Waller, besides the fact that he's a super nice guy, by the way, is that he and Daniel Jones have been only working together now for, what, a few months? But it looks like they have built up a rapport of a receiver and a quarterback that have been working together for years. I mean, in practice today, for example, Jones was constantly looking for Waller, whether it be in the, up the middle of the field, whether it be along the sideline, whether it be, you know, wherever Waller was lining up. And Waller was lining up, you know, in line. He was lining up in the slot. He was lining up, um, you know, out wide. They had him moving around. And Jones just kept looking for him. And it's funny because at one point during the practice, Waller stopped getting team reps, you know, seven on seven reps and whatnot. And we were kind of joking on the sidelines that, uh oh, you know, did Waller get hurt or, oh, is, is, is the coaching staff doing this to, you know, kind of 
uh, forced Daniel Jones to look elsewhere. Turns out, ladies and gentlemen, Waller is not hurt. So let's get that out of the way. I know some, some of you are like, no, you can't have Waller hurt. He's not hurt, but they are managing his reps. So, um, you know, they, they kept track of his reps. They pulled him out, gave him a rest. You know, it's possible he might get a rest for Friday night's practice. I don't know. You know, that's still to be determined. But head coach Brian Dable did say that they are managing his reps since he is coming off the injuries. So Waller, just a tremendous, tremendous uh, force in that offense. And you know what? His presence, by the way, has allowed the Giants to play more effective 12 personnel. So we saw a lot of practice uh, steps today, team drill, in which you had Waller and Daniel Bellinger lined up. We even saw some 13 personnel as well, where Lawrence Cager was involved in the mix. And I got to tell you, even though, you know, spoiler alert, I thought I thought the defense won the day. They were confused by some of the looks that the Giants were throwing at them with this 13, 12 and 13 personnel. And, um, you know, Waller, obviously, he's a guy who can separate. I mean, the way he positions his body between himself and the ball, and or I should say between the defender and the ball, is quite a sight to behold. I mean, this is a guy who... Is a professional pass catcher. Um, Waller is also one of the few guys that can actually separate by a significant amount. So any injuries, lower body injuries he had last year, you really, you, if you didn't know any better, you'd swear that, you know, he didn't have them because he can separate. You know, Bellinger, on the other hand, can't separate as well, but Bellinger, once he gets the ball, uh, he can he can do some damage with it in his hands. You know, he, he's bulked up, you know, he's that Bane type physique now, but he can, he can certainly uh, maneuver and do some stuff with the ball in the hands. But uh, the, the whole point I want to get at here though, is, you know, whereas last year the Giants were more about 11 personnel this year, I, I suspect you're going to see more of a balance between 11 personnel and 12 personnel, which for those of you who don't know what, what those numbers mean, 11 personnel, or, or the two numbers actually refer to number of running backs and number of tight ends on the field. So 11 personnel would be one running back, one tight end, 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, and 13 personnel, one running back, three tight ends. So it's just kind of interesting because, you know, we haven't obviously gotten to the run game yet because the pads don't go on until Tuesday, but the Giants doing a lot of creative different looks with those tight ends with how they're lining up, with how they're being deployed, with the routes they're being asked to run. And at the center of all that is Darren Waller, who has just been, you know, hands of glue. I mean, I think I don't think I've seen him drop any passes so far in two practices. There was one throw by quarterback Daniel Jones that sailed over Waller's head. It was a poor throw by Jones. Jones held the ball too long and then he sailed it over Waller's head. But, you know, the thing that's also fascinating about Waller is his catch radius. I mean, you could throw a high ball, you know, and, and for contested, for a contested catch. And because Waller has this great height, he's got a pretty good chance of coming down with it. So, you know, you think back all the years to what this Giants offense was missing. Speed a really, really good tight end. And, you know, obviously, you know, the firepower to get the ball out and, and deep down the field. I think they have it now, folks. I mean, if these guys all stay healthy, they have it. 
And it starts with Darren Waller, who has just been, like I said, if, if you're naming um, an MVP of training camp after two days, which I know is silly to do, but I think you got to give it to him because he's just been everything as advertised. And um, I can't wait to see once the pad goes, pads go on, the more complex that they're uh, – formations and stuff that they're going to run because right now they're doing some of the basic stuff that they did during the OTAs, but there's still more to come that I'm sure we haven't seen and that we will see coming up with Darren Waller. All right. Coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast, we're going to talk about Saquon Barkley's epiphany that's coming next. Don't go anywhere. Hey, Giant fans, our partner at eBay Motors has teamed up with Luck on Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're, pre- whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. And if you're looking to make a smooth turn in fantasy football snake drafts with the last pick in the first round and the first pick in the second round, you can catch an initial spark for your roster by revving up with two elite NFC East wide receivers, the Cowboys' C.D. Lamb and the Eagles' A.J. Brown, a letter-perfect guaranteed early fit. Count on Lamb driving Dak Prescott and Dallas's new-look passing offense to big numbers, and Brown revving up Jalen Hurts' downfield throwing often again in Philadelphia. And Giant fans, if you're looking for a guaranteed fit for your vehicle, you need to check out eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly all year long. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay's guaranteed fit helps you to understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle. So go forth, switch gears, crank up the AC and say goodbye to sweating when your ride needs a little fixing up. Because with eBay's Guaranteed Fit, everything you need for your vehicle is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay's Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. You got Patricia Trainer here. And uh, bringing you all the observations and the latest from New York Giants training camp. Having a blast, folks. I mean, it is so good to be out actually covering football again. I mean, despite the weather, the weather's been kind of hot and sticky the last couple of days. But you know what? It comes with the territory. I've been there. Continue. We'll continue to be there. And uh, we'll continue to bring you what I can from Giants training camp. And uh, before we get to the um, the previews, or, or I should say the highlights, rather, from Giants training camp, which will be in the next section, I want to talk about Saquon Barkley's epiphany, um, which, uh, for what it's worth, all right, just to, to kind of give you a little background here, this was the first time Saquon spoke publicly after, since, or I should say since signing his um, modified franchise tag deal. So it was kind of a surprise. We didn't think Saquon was going to talk today, you know, because there was some question as to whether he was still, you know, upset with how things had worked out. But, you know, I give a lot of credit to Saquon Barkley for coming out, for being mature about it, 
for, you know, facing 30 or some odd cameras that were there and God knows how many other reporters that were there just answering each question that he got with a thoughtful answer. And, you know, the big thing that uh, to come out of Saquon's uh, presser was that, you know, why did he decide to just, you know, not hold out? Why, why come in and sign the modified tag, which quite honestly is the worst deal out of, out of all the ones that he was offered. And he spoke about an epiphany he had. And just to kind of take it back a little bit here, you know, everybody knows the plight of the running back that, you know, the position's been devalued, that guys aren't getting paid and it's drawing a lot more attention probably this year than it has in recent years. And that's because you've got some high profile guys that basically got screwed. Barkley, Josh Jacobs over from the Raiders, you know, Tony Pollard down in Dallas um, you've got guys like Dalvin Cook who got cut due to a salary cap crunch, Ezekiel Elliott. So, the, you know, the plight of the running back is really taking on um, getting more attention. And what was interesting is that, you know, you got the impression that the running backs felt that Saquon could kind of be their um, their leader, their guy to kind of make the case as to how valuable running backs could be. So when Saquon spoke about his epiphany that he had and that, you know, he felt that it would be in his best interest to show up, to play for his teammates, to play for himself, he made a comment about that by doing so, he can hopefully change the perception that exists regarding running backs. Now, I think that's a little bit of an aggressive goal, not out of the question, because look, it is what it is. And the bottom line is that leagues are, are the league is going more towards a passing game to where receivers and quarterbacks and uh, blindside tackles, they get paid the big bucks. But Saquon has kind of taken it on his shoulders now to be this, you know, crusader, if you will, to bring justice for running backs and, and show, you know, hey, here's my value. And if I can be this valuable to an offense, why can't another running back be? So it's kind of an, an interesting ap- approach by Saquon. It's a, it's a mature approach, and I applaud him for it because he's going to try and affect change, even if it, even though it means he's not going to get the money that he's looking for. Now, you know, from a personal standpoint, I hope he's successful in it because I do believe he should have been paid more. And look, I get it, folks. He was offered three other deals that were a lot better than what he ultimately signed and he turned them down reasons for which, by the way, I'll talk about in a second, but um, you know, I admire Saquon for kind of wanting to be the face, if you will, of the running backs, the plight of the running backs and just try to maybe bring justice to the position. And again, it remains to be seen if he will, because the end of the day, are the giants going to go more with, you know, a passing attack versus a running attack are they going to look to balance it? So it's kind of out of his control, but what is in his control is what he does with the ball in his hands. Now, going back to the deal that he accepted, he was asked, you know, why didn't you accept some of the other deals that were offered that, you know, had more money or were better structured or whatever? Now, we didn't get into the details, but he basically said the big fly in the ointment in his negotiations was the franchise tag. He felt that the franchise tag 
took away any potential leverage he had in the negotiations, made it one-sided in favor of the Giants. And, you know, he's not wrong with that. But that was the breaks. That, But, you know, that being said, he was offered, a, um, you know, a deal back in, in the, the bye week of last year that he turned down. A deal that, you know, he, he decided – okay, I'm going to gamble on myself that I'm going to really have a great year and I'm going to drive up my price. So, you know, you got to take that into consideration. Unfortunately, nobody could get a question in about that. You know, why did you turn that deal down when you had leverage? You had some leverage there. Um, apparently, he thought that he had more leverage than he did. So anyway, the franchise tag comes along. The Giants take away any leverage because Saquon now can't go out into the open market. He can't, you know, get better deal offers and go back to the Giants and say, hey, you know, Team X is offering me this. Can you guys want to match it? Now, I still think that overall Saquon's representation didn't read the room properly. And, you know, it's unfortunate. But, again, you have this whole crusade by Saquon to show that, Hey, running backs are people too, and they deserve to get, you know, get paid just like, you know, the receivers and the tight ends and the, the left tackles and the quarterbacks. I don't know how successful his campaign is going to be, but look, for his sake, for the team's sake, I hope he balls out. Guys in great condition. You know, they haven't, like I said, they haven't really done the running game much this uh, summer because they don't have the pads on. The pads are going on on Tuesday. But um, it drills. Saquon has looked really good, really motivated. He draws huge cheers from the crowd. And, um, you know, I can't wait to see what he does. I don't think he's going to play a whole lot in the preseason, but I can't wait to see this guy fired up for week one against the Dallas Cowboys. So Saquon Barkley with the epiphany, he's going to take on the plate of the running backs, be the face of the running backs and their case to get paid. In future years, whether he's successful remains to be seen because, um, look, the running back market has been tanking. But that being said, there are new trends that come across the NFL every year. So it's possible that maybe he can have an influence moving forward. I don't think it'll happen because of how the, the numbers are stacking up for future years, but never say never, as they say. All right, Giant fans, before I take my next break, I wanted to circle back on something I said in yesterday's pod, and that was about the Giants' practice schedule. And I think I pointed out that the Giants, instead of doing um, what the CBA allows, which is five days on, one day off, the Giants have been doing three days on, one day off. And I suspected that had to do with their injury findings from last year. So I told you I was going to ask Brian Dable about it, and I did. I got the first question in on his Thursday presser, and I asked him about it. And, you know, in a nutshell, that's exactly what it is. You know, the idea is to not wear these guys down, you know, to monitor the workload and just keep them as fresh as possible. So to give you a little bit more insight with the schedule, so that so far this week the Giants have had two morning practices starting at 10 o'clock. On Friday, they're going to have a nighttime practice that starts at 5 o'clock. So they're kind of spacing things out a little bit to give these players optimal time 
to recover from the grueling heat and the physical nature of the practices, which, by the way, is only going to get ramped up in the coming week. Because, again, pads go on on Tuesday, and it ain't getting any cooler out there anytime soon, folks. It's Today was just an absolute brutal day as far as the heat and the humidity goes, um, save for a nice little breeze, which I think saved a lot of us. But Dable, you know, look, they're aware that the Giants have had injury issues, that they've been one of the most injured teams in the NFL the Giants are taking steps to hopefully eradicate that distinction because that's one title I know that they don't want to win. All right, Giant fans, coming up next, we're going to talk about some specific takeaways from day two of New York Giants training camp. Do not go anywhere. Hey, Giant fans, did you know that we at the Lock on Giants podcast have a new and exclusive community called the Subtext Community? This exclusive group of members receives text updates from yours truly, and it also allows for members to text one-on-one with me regarding specific questions they have. Plus, when I have special opportunities for members to take part in program-related materials, such as submitting questions for special guests or mailbag questions, those are the folks who get the top priority. You know what? I can't think of a better way to stay in touch with my listeners. There's no fear of email communications landing and spam. There's no hashtags to remember and nothing gets lost on my Twitter feed. So go on and check it out. It's at joinsubtext.com slash locked on NY giants. It's free to try for 14 days. And if you like it, you do nothing and just pay $4.99 per month, plus any applicable data charges made by your carrier. If you don't like it, simply text stop before your trial ends and you'll own nothing. Already, I've gotten some great feedback from the pilot testers of this program. And if they like it, I think you will as well. So go on and check it out. That link again is joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnNYGiants, where you can get more information about the program and sign up for your free 14-day trial. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast. And just a quick note about the subtext community I'm actually going to be adding more subscriber exclusives. I'm working on some nice little things that I think um, the subscribers will like. Um, Stay tuned for details. Once I have them all set up, I'll let you know what they are. But uh, I'm really looking to optimize the value of the program because, look, I appreciate those of you who support me here at the Lachlan Giants podcast. The podcast is, of course, free and available wherever you find your podcasts, including on YouTube. But those of you who are supporting, you know, the Lachlan Giants podcast through the subtext community, my little way of showing my appreciation by giving you a little extra for your money, other than, you know, the daily updates that I try and send out each day. So that being said, let us get back to training camp. we got to talk about some things from training camp. And um, I do have a few observations uh, that I want to talk about. The first thing that I, this is kind of a a broad scope thing. And that is, you know, right now the giants are rotating different guys in at different spots. So for example, at center, it's been Ben Bredesen and John Michael Schmitz at left guard, Joshua Zudu, Ben Bredesen, Shane Lemieux at slot cornerback, Darnay Holmes, Cordell Flott, um, You've seen uh, at safety, Jason Pinnock uh, and Dane Belton. 
But there's also been a couple of spots that have been consistent, at least so far through two days, specifically inside linebacker where uh, Darian Beavers has been the number two guy next to Bobby Okereke. So the thing I want to comment about, you know, regarding this rotation, usually when a coach does that, it's because they don't know for sure which direction they're going to go in. Now, some of you are probably saying, okay, there's like no way that John Michael Schmitz is in the starting center opening day. And you're probably right in assuming that. But that being said, John Michael Schmitz, as well as he's been doing, and as quickly as he's been, you know, coming along, he hasn't been tested yet. And he's going to be tested by Wink Martindale. Dable has pretty much said that. And by tested, I mean, Wink is going to be told to throw blitzes, stunts, twists, all kinds of funky things at John Michael Schmitz to make that kid's hair go on fire. And they're going to be looking carefully to see how well he handles it. And it's the same with Bredesen because, you know, look, if John Michael Schmitz can't make the right line calls or he gets confuzzled, as I like to say, confused, confuzzled uh, by what the, uh, what the defense is throwing at him, he might not be the starter opening day. Now, I don't think that's going to happen again. I want to stress that, but something to keep an eye on for sure. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see once the pads go on, who takes most of the snaps at, at center. I think it's going to be Schmitz. I'm going to be checking that out because right now you just can't really tell. They're not in pads, so there's no hitting. You, you know, it's really hard to get a real good feel for, you know, how the, the pit play is shaping up. And that of course is going to affect everything else in terms of um, the team. Now um, at uh, as far as, you know, the practice for day two, the giants opened it up a little bit more. So instead of working exclusively in the red zone, they did the entire field. So they were trying a lot more deep passes. Brian Dable, you know, his philosophy is for the quarterbacks, just go out there and sling it. Let's see how they look. If it gets picked off, it gets picked off. You know, better it happened in practice than in a game. So overall, the deep pass, I thought the defense kind of won the day just by, you know, a nose or two. I didn't think the offense was as sharp as it was yesterday. I thought the quarterbacks at times, the three quarterbacks were holding the ball a little too long. And, you know, maybe there was a little confusion. The, the other thing I really took note of is that the receivers, for whatever the reason, I, I, I saw I didn't see very many receivers other than maybe Waller and Paris Campbell truly separating from defenders. I mean, the defenders were playing these guys tightly. So that was kind of surprising. So I think in all the... Um, the defenders came up with four interceptions. I think one by Xavier McKinney, Zion Gilbert had one, and two other cornerbacks. I think Cordell Flott had one, and there was one other cornerback that had one. Um, Zion Gilbert's, by the way, was a, was a tip ball that he tipped to himself. It was pretty neat to watch. So, you know, I mentioned that because even though they're not in pads, usually you expect – the defense to be further ahead of the offense at this early stage in training camp. Right now you can, you can make a case that they're almost on even ground, which is a good thing. I think regarding, you know, moving forward with the giants, because 
you don't want one side of the ball being down here and, and another one up here because that means they're not, you know, playing complementary football with each side. So, you know, that stood out to me. Um, another thing that kind of stood out to me is um, Cordell Flott's performance. I want to talk about that. You know, at the start of camp, if you had asked me who were the uh, most underrated players or under the radar guys that I'd be keeping an eye on, Cordell Flott would be amongst my top three. Because much is expected of him. Now, Flott did get a little bigger up top. I know that was a concern and a question a lot of people had, you know, given how, you know, slender a frame he was. And um, let me tell you something, folks. He's playing that that position, both the slot and and uh, the opportunities he's had at outside cornerback. He's playing it, you know, like a man possessed. And uh, he's actually somebody I want to talk to um, in the coming days want to, you know, sit down and, and do a one-on-one with him to, you know, kind of gauge where he is and whatnot. But Cordell Flott thus far has looked pretty good in training camp. I like how he tracks the ball. I like how, you know, he's stays with the receiver on the receiver's hip. I'm very encouraged by the play he, he has shown because, you know, coming into camp, you kind of figured, okay, Adoree Jackson and Deontay Banks with one and two. What about the guys behind him? You know, Aaron Robinson is on pup. So, you know, you're not going to see much of him in the beginning. Cordell Flott has a re- legitimate chance here to really step up and have a big piece of the pie, whether again it be as a as a slot cornerback or as a, an outside guy. And I think, you know, Darnay Holmes, we talk about every year, you know, we question whether or not he's going to be around, you know, given his 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 um Salary cap hit this year. Um, Holmes has done nothing so far in two practices to say that he can't get the job done. But what you're seeing, I think, is you're seeing kind of um, more versatility. You're seeing more options for their defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, to deploy these guys. So in other words, it's not just solely, okay, let's put Cordell Flott in the slot and leave him there. They can move him around. And move, you know, maybe some of the, you know, maybe push Adoree Jackson inside on certain plays and certain packages so they can get creative. And they have gotten creative with some of the defensive backfield alignments. So I'm looking forward to checking out more of those, actually, as training camp goes on. Um, One other thing that I know I'm very curious to see, I mentioned the pit play, the defensive line versus the offensive line. Again, Tuesday the pads will go on. We'll get an opportunity to see that. Um, I got to give props to quarterback Tommy DeVito. I know I've been talking about on the show how he hasn't impressed me because I think he holds the ball too long and just, you know, he's been off target. I thought he had a good day today. Um, he showed that big arm that he has, um, hit, hit a couple of nice deep passes he turned on the Jets on a on a quarterback keeper, uh, did really well with that. Um, so yeah, I thought you know in terms of the quarterbacks, it was Jones, Devito, and Tyrod Taylor in that order. Colin Johnson had himself a day. Now I have no idea if the Giants are going to have room to keep Colin Johnson, and I've often wondered if maybe he could potentially be someone they look to trade at final cutdown date, you know, to get something for him. Because look, 
this guy, he's got height and he made a few nice receptions today where he used that height to his advantage. So I like what I have seen from Colin Johnson so far. And, you know, you look at the receiver core and, okay, who's going to be the, 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 the guys. So you figure Slayton, you figure uh, Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt's going to probably make it. Isaiah Hodgins is going to make it. So that's four. Maybe Cole Beasley is five. So if you keep seven, you've got two slots open now. Who gets the two slots? Do you give one to Jeff Smith, who was working with the special teams gunners? Do you give one to Colin Johnson? Because, you know, he's just got that height. What do you do there? That's to be determined, and it's going to be based on injuries. All right, one other observation I just want to talk about, and that is, is I was watching the gunner drills today on special teams because gunner play last year was such a big problem for the Giants. They just could not find guys that could play that position consistently because, you know, with all the injuries at elsewhere on the roster, they had to bring guys, you know, off of special teams onto offense or defense. And the one thing that stood out to me today as I was watching the gunner drills is that the Giants went with all size. All right. So you had tight ends, linebackers working those gunner drills. You know, Daniel Bellinger was working at it. You saw um, Carter Coughlin, Micah McFadden was working at it. Um, Cam Brown was working at it. Um, I'm trying to think who else, you know, I, I know Matt Breida was working at it. He, you know, maybe doesn't have the size there, but he's stocking up. So the Giants really putting in the emphasis on finding a solid and consistent pair of gunners, which they did not have last year and which hurt their punt coverage. So that's going to be another thing to keep an eye on over the coming days and weeks as the Giants go through um, training camp and the preseason. So that being said, those are my observations, just generically speaking. Tomorrow, or actually by the time you guys, most of you watch this, it'll be Friday. Friday's practice is going to be from 5 to 7. So what I will do is I will have a show for you probably over the weekend I may combine um, Friday and Saturday into one show and just run it on Sunday because we're off Saturday, but uh, I'll probably have at least one show for you over the weekend. So uh, make sure you keep it here on the Lockdown Giants podcast. And of course, if we have breaking news, I will post a short for you here on the YouTube channel. Folks, I want to thank you for tuning in. As always, I appreciate you. And as always, we'll see you tomorrow.